Hello. I'm Annalise. And I'm Alice. And you're listening to... Experimental! Did you notice how we flipped it? Usually you start. I know. That is interesting. Because I... Because I know that I usually start. Jesus, take the wheel. I took the wheel. Oh. You're Jesus. I'm Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) A white blonde Jesus. Here we are. (laughs) In America. It is America, after all. Did I... Um, I've told you this, but for the podcast benefit, we used to have um, a friend in college who would, I was about to say who made jokes, as if like humans don't usually make jokes, but we had a friend in college once that made a joke about how the ceiling of the big church that's on our campus Campus. had Jesus on it, except Jesus was blonde hair, blue eyed, so he called him Aryan race Jesus. Because that's not what Jesus (laughs) is supposed to look like. Whoops. That was a mistake. The church was built in like the 60s. So. Europeans. Fuck you. Americans. American. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. European you know, the pilgrim him. bitches. Europeans made him. The colonizers. Yeah. Yeah. Us. Yes. I um, I don't know. I think I told you this too, but I recently realized. Like, I knew this, but I recently realized what it means that most of my uh, heritage is English and Irish. <gasps> I'm like, oh, I am the colonizer. Oh, that's, yeah. I feel like I'm relatively safe. That says, Italy. Says you as the Italian. Italy, Greek. Greek? Well, if you're Italian, you're a little bit Greek. Cause I don't know. If you're white, you're a little bit European. Let's just say But, that. like, if you're, like, during Alexander the Great and stuff, like, his big thing was, like, bringing people from Rome to, like, Macedonia. But anyways, this is a weird start to the episode. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about my, uh, one of my favorite topics, uh, which is, like, the history of feminism in the United States, most, uh, what's it called? Oh, more specifically, um, we recently had the 100th anniversary of the passage of the 19th Amendment, um, And if you don't know, on August 18th, 1920, the 19th Amendment uh, was passed and ratified in all 50 states, which allows women to vote. And um, the reason it kind of came to our attention was because we watched the Republican National Convention and one of the images they kept, like, they displayed on the screen at one point for... um, like, the anniversary of the 19th Amendment is, they kept saying, like, women's rights gains peacefully or something, like, or, like, it was, like, achieved without any rights or something, and the first thing that popped in my head was, that is simply not true. (laughs) There was violence. There was a lot of violence. That is false. And also, yeah, also, we just kind of thought it, it's relevant in what's going on in today's culture with, like, um, voter suppression, yeah, voter voter suppression, suppression and Black Lives Matter, and, um, the conversation about what makes a democracy a democracy. Yes. Um, well, also, I just think it's, yeah, and I also just think it's kind of good to bring up, because I hear a lot of times people saying, like, oh, well, women already have a lot of rights, they have, they enough. have enough <laughs> or like you know it's so they're good <laughs> i'm good i'm uh, good thanks actually I'm actually i'm perfectly happy oh, draft you say <laughs> no. No, no 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 thank you <laughs> but um it is like pretty recent like that a lot of things got passed into law like the equal rights amendment and title nine like that all stuff is like pretty recent in terms of history uh, so it's just, like, important to look back on how far we've come and where we still have room to grow. Yeah. So we're going to kick this sucker off by talking about uh, a little bit about the early history of women's suffrage, okay? America. Um, in America, yes. Yeah. I will touch very briefly on England. Yeah. And I also want to say, I uh, while I was equally gung-ho about this idea, Annalise did all of the research... <laughs> Because I'm uh, still in the trenches at work. So I'm just going to sit back and listen and react. And we're going to play some fun games of what school didn't teach you slash what Alice doesn't know. And also, we apologize for going MIA for about two weeks. Okay, um, we did, work we? has been something. Yeah, for both of us. More so for you. More so for me. But, but 
but there's other things going on in my life. Yeah. You know, like when I spilled water all over my computer and um, locked yourself out of locked myself out of the apartment. <laughs> there's just been a lot of minor stressors that have become big stressors. Anywho. It's like when you take a lot of little pieces of hay and put them all on top of each other. Yes. And then it becomes a bale. And then I cry in the middle of the work day. Carry that bale and you carry it by crying. Yes. (laughs) And then um, I call my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Say, Mom, Mom, can you carry my bale? (laughs) Mom, can you vacuum up the hay that is on my bed? Anyway, okay, so 1848, Seneca Falls Convention, which was held in... Well, 1848. No, no, no. What state? What city? Oh, New York. Yes. Rochester. Uh-huh. That was the Women's Right Convention. That and, I knew. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, so, funny enough, suffrage, like, getting the vote for women was brought up. However, that was not the only issue, bless you, that came up... Um, also, interestingly, Frederick Douglass was at this event, and he... I think I knew that, too. I didn't. I think I vaguely... Maybe I knew it. I forgot. But um, but he actually did agree to make suffrage a main goal, which was, you know, that's cool. What's up, Frederick? All right, 1850, <laughs> the Women's Rights National Convention, which is when they made an action plan to hold meetings, raise funds, gather facts publicized this movement um, for getting the vote for women. They contacted the press. They wrote books. They got speakers. What a woman's thing to do. Like, they have a convention in 1848, talk about it, outline a plan. Two years later, 1850, plans in motion. They're like, war has been let's waged. Let's fucking go. Then Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony. Katie. Katie, Sorry. It's spelled Caddy. Uh, yeah, Katie. Yeah. They actually met an, at an anti-slavery meeting in really? New York. Yeah. Wait. They were actually both pretty big abolitionists. Okay, because I, I, I thought there was a lot of women in the women's suffrage movement who are actually very racist. Oh, they are. Oh. I'll get to that. Okay. But that is what is so weird is, like, a lot of these people met at like anti-slavery meetings and abolitionist things and like um susan b anthony i think could be wrong i think it's susan b anthony and frederick Douglass were like very good friends and like used to do like oh abolitionist things together that's nice um yeah afternoon tea afternoon afternoon tea um afternoon abolition afternoon And then... Instead of afternoon delight. Yeah. Ew! (laughs) Um, Yeah, so they started... uh, Anthony and Stanton started working together and campaigning. They formed the National Women's Suffrage Association, and they started a newspaper that kind of, like, went around the country, like, promoting their ideas and helping to get the word out so that like other smaller groups could form in other places then there was this woman named lucy stone and she helped initiate the first national women's rights convention so this is where it gets tricky to understand um also i like women's rights yeah (laughs) but so lucy stone interestingly was one of the first women to get like a bachelor's degree from a college really that was not a female college like not a women's college i think do you know what it was what it was in it was in massachusetts somewhere i meant the degree oh i don't know <laughs> but the big thing with her is the reason she start got like started in women's rights um and being interested in it is because when she was in school she had like a work study job and she was working constantly like working so hard and realized she was not making nearly as much as any of her male counterparts oh even for work study even for work study and she was like i don't know exactly what the percentage was or whatever but it was like if she had been working there for three years she was still making 10 cents an hour and the men who had just started there were making like 30 cents an hour like it was like very crazy like the but what's the reasoning for that for a work study job 
You know what I mean? They were just like, like, ah, women. Exactly. Because, <laughs> like, you're, like, at that point, you're working to support your studies. Hence yes. work study. And the expense of, theoretically, the expenses of a man and a woman studying at a college are the exact same. Well, it was 1860-something, so. Exactly. I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, like. I'd love to know what the rationalization was for but, that. But the, also the super cool thing about her is, so then she, like, was like, I'm going to fucking sue you. And, like, went against the school and, like, actually did end up getting, um, like, a decent wage from that. But you- And then in 1869, sorry, Lucy Stone broke with uh, Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony because around this time is when the 15th Amendment was added to the Constitution, and if you didn't know, the 15th Amendment is what grants uh, voting rights to black men. It did not grant votes to women. Um, So, basically, here's where it gets sticky. Susan B. Anthony was kind of, like, on this wave of being like, well, if the black men get more rights than the white women, they're just going to keep ascending through um society and we're gonna descend and like basically her whole like thought process and rhetoric was kind of like if they gain this then it's going to hurt us Mm. if that makes sense Mm. i mean it doesn't but (laughs) it's like that fallacy um so lucy stone was like that's that's why we have intersectionalism yes and lucy stone was like fuck that noise um so Anthony and Stanton stuck together and formed the National Women's Suffrage Association. And then Lucy Stone, Julie Ward, and Julie Ward Howe, sorry, formed the Nash, wait, American Women's Suffrage Association. Basically the same thing. The difference here is how they view race and talked about the 15th Amendment. So Susan B. Anthony and... Katie Stanton, Elizabeth Katie, Katie Stanton, Stanton, were like, let's we're be the ones kind of racist, a little racist. Um, well, not really. I, I mean, it's it's so confusing because it's like, it is such. I feel like it is like such a white woman thing of like, abstractly being super, like anti racist, and then in practice being like well, I only want this if it doesn't affect me and, like, being so afraid of something else affecting them, you know? Well, yeah, it's that thing of, like, if someone is more disadvantaged than you are, it's the thing of, like, you take any... Like, if someone says, like, I stand for all women... and Well, it's... You know what? It's exactly, like, Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. Yeah. Like, people who are offended by Black Lives Matter think that people saying Black Lives Matter are saying that they don't matter. Whereas, the all, like, yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows that conversation. No, that's, that's so right, though. But it's the thing of, like, like, just because we're not talking about you right now doesn't, doesn't mean, mean that, that you're, you're not, you don't exist. It doesn't mean that you're yeah. invalid. Yeah. It's just, like, we need to focus on one thing at a time. It's yeah. okay. Take a breath. Yeah. Let's be patient. It's okay. Um, oh. Not even one thing at a time. Just, like, some issues need to be solved just separately. Yeah. Not, well, this is kind of, yeah. But, yeah. Like, it doesn't... It's just, like, what it is is it's not about you right now is yeah. what it yeah, is. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's not, not fucking about you. about you right now. I didn't... We weren't talking about you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, then in 1879, Lucy Stone registered to vote in Massachusetts... Because she was allowed, uh, women were allowed to vote in, like, certain local elections. Oh. Um, she ended up being removed from the, her, like, her votes didn't count anymore because she did not use her husband's last name what? when she voted. Yeah, so they invalidated, like, all of her votes. Wait, what? What? Yeah. <sighs> That's, A, bold for the time. I feel like not taking your husband's last name yeah. is a fairly recent thing. Well, I don't know that... She, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of work to, like, go through and be like, oh, well, this woman didn't use... How would you know? Oh, I don't know. Okay. Anyway. <sighs> yeah. um, 
At the same time, you know, tying back in to this conversation we had about race, um, this woman, Ida B. Wells, uh, lived in the South. and oh, she... Okay. I yeah. I've heard about her before. Mm-hmm. So she kind of started this anti-lynching campaign because that was a really huge issue at the time. Still an issue now, but... Which, which um, you had said to me while you were doing research, you looked up from your research at one point, and you were like, isn't it crazy that they needed to have a campaign against lynching? But like, yeah, isn't like, it? Hey, hey guys, let's not murder people people and murder them (laughs) to death like like can you believe that it was such a well can you believe that there are people who are like it's okay to murder people you know what i mean like uh, can you believe that it it was and is a wide enough spread issue where it was like it was a phenomenon it was a thing it was a phenomenon For angry mobs just to be like, hey, fuck you. That's awful. (sighs) So she is a badass, starts an anti-lynching campaign. She goes and does talks like all over the country. She goes and does talks in England because she's like, you know what? (laughs) Gotta go get those British people. To, uh, (laughs) you know what? These simpleton Americans. (laughs) They're not smart enough for my rhetoric. If the British do it. We'll get the British to do it first, and then the Americans yes. will follow in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. So she goes over and starts talking to, like, British newspapers and stuff. Um, and basically, she gives a speech, and she asks the audience, how can influential white women continue to turn a blind eye to the white mobs who threaten black lives? Um, so she's like, she just calls out, the suffrage movement for not being as concerned with um race and black lives as they should be and um they especially because a lot of the suffrage movement was kind of focused in the north they weren't as they just didn't really talk about like all the racism and issues that were happening in the south at the time um but anyway that that i wonder i wonder i'd love to like Because I feel like there's not a whole lot of, that I've read, I mean there probably is, but I feel like it's not talked about a lot of like the the northern view on like slavery and racism and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know, I'd like to, I'd want to know what like northern people thought about it. Because I feel like people don't talk about it because it's a thing of like complicity. Yeah. If they're, they probably in their mind were like, if we don't talk about it, like we don't have to. We don't condone it, but we don't have to speak out against it because we yeah. like it's not happening. It, to us. I don't see it every day, but I want to know. I just want to know what people thought about it. Like yeah. I want to know if people were like kind of, like maybe they didn't even think it was wrong. Maybe they were just kind of like they kept their mouth shut because they didn't want to be politically incorrect. Yeah. Well, and I think also like, part of it is. I think that certain people who were working in the suffrage movement were afraid that if they brought up other issues that it would draw focus and or like make give people another reason to not support them you know so if like Mm -hmm. this is from an article by monet fields white from npr the root the article is called how racism tainted women's suffrage and she says it became clear after the civil war that black and white women had different views of why the right to vote was essential white women were seeing the vote as a symbol of parity with their husbands and brothers black women most of whom lived in the south were seeking the ballot for themselves and their men as a means of empowering black communities besieged by the reign of racial terror that erupted after emancipation besieged besieged so that's you know that that is so interesting because for for black women it was like okay now we can get representation for our community and then white women were like I want to be on equal playing grounds with my husband (sighs) my husband yeah Yeah. it's the thing of like the minor yeah Yeah. but I mean both are valid like it is valid to be like I want 
to be fucking on the same playing field as the men that are in my community. Yeah. But it wasn't as life or death as it was for black women. You know what I've been thinking? This is kind of way off topic, but yeah. like kind of on topic. You know how um, TikTok has been making a lot of jokes about uh, moving to Canada and mm-hmm. like seeking refuge in Canada? Like even I've made a few jokes yeah. about like I'm going to become a Canadian refugee or, yeah. or an American refugee in Canada. Like screw all this. But I was like thinking about this and I was like, is that like borderline offensive to say because like even if trump does get elected like i still am in like a very privileged place like Mm. none of my rights are really gonna be yeah taken away and that's the case for a lot of people i mean a lot of people's rights are gonna be violated but i think majority of america is still gonna be in a lot better shape than like actual war refugees from like yeah africa and syria parts of asia yeah so i was like should we like maybe not start seeking trying to seek slash like taking up about that space receiving refuge in canada when like like we just have to deal with a lot of offensive things like you know how people say like well, if I had been alive during the Holocaust, I wouldn't have allowed the Nazis to take oh, over. It's yeah. like, well, you're alive. You weren't alive during you weren't the Holocaust. Al- you were not alive during the Holocaust, so you don't know what you would do. A, and B, there's lots of injustices happening in the world right now, and what are you doing about it? Yeah. Sorry, going back. 1872, yeah, that was way Susan B. Anthony, dressed like a man, went and voted, nice. and then she was arrested. Nice. Yeah. Then in 1916, Alice Paul... Wait, she got away with it, though? No, she Wait, went to jail. Let's go... Oh, okay. I was gonna say, it, let's unpack that a little no, bit. No, she went to jail. It was very publicized. It Wait, was, so she was... Was she try, Was she sneaking in and being like, my, my name is, is... Yes. Oh, so she she wasn't, like, making a statement, like, putting on pants and being like, I'm going to vote as a man. She fully was I think like, she took her husband... She went in as her husband's name, something like that. I don't know. Oh, wow. But anyway. That, that, I did not know that. 1916, Alice Paul... For, formed the National Women's Party, and that was a militant group that was like, we are going to get this amendment. There were over 200 supporters called the Silent Sentinels who were arrested in 1917 while picketing the White House. When they were arrested, they went to jail. They A lot of them went on hunger strike, were beaten by like guards and stuff, and then they were force-fed. After being, oh. in, and it was very violent. I had to watch. Did you watch that movie with like Patrick Dempsey? Oh, I don't know. If it was Patrick. I had to watch. I'm was like it Patrick having, Dempsey? This entire episode, like thing that you've been talking, I've been having like flashbacks to my, um, in my. No, but I remember having to watch um, a dramatization thing of male guards holding down a woman to like a table in jail and like sticking a tube down her throat yeah that's the force feeding okay then all of this to say that there were 110 percent violent parts of this movement yeah 110 percent like a little yikes yeah like um cringy uh not cringy um not positive um i'm trying to think of what word you mean shameful oh dark parts of yeah dark parts of history for this movement um however on both sides oh yeah on both sides annalise just so we'll probably gonna cut it out but annalise just showed me the trailer for iron iron jawed angels iron jawed angels and i don't think that was the Maybe it was a trailer for a movie I watched in school, but it 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 did a good job at like painting the drama to like the dramatic thing of like the hunger strikes and the the being arrested and also like what, something that caught me about that trailer was when they were talking about like wartime like you can't protest a wartime president why not yeah why the fuck not yeah I hate this idea this is this is wow we're just going on a lot of tangents my one my main gripe I have with the United States of America. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, our military is, like, this, this like, faith and belief that it's, like, infallible. Infallible. Mm-hmm. And, like, the people who are super patriotic 
like, are so quick to jump behind the military and so quick to say, like, oh, they're defending you and your rights and... Like, I get, like, I just, I hate the fact that we, you can't say anything negative about America to someone who's super patriotic, because mm. then you're automatically written off as, like, being, like, unpatriotic. Yes! And it's just, like, can, like, yes, our military, like, 9-11, like, like all the soldiers and the people and first responders who helped on 9-11, I'm sure were amazing people and did amazing work and, like... They helped in a tragedy, and it was such a tragedy that our country went through, and lots of lives were lost, and 9-11 is a day of memorial to remember the tragedy. But also, can we talk about what caused 9-11? Not the fact that they hated us, like, they being, like, you know, uh, what was it, Al-Qaeda. Not the fact that Muslim people hate us, but the fact that America went into the Middle East and tore up the er- their economy. Yeah, yeah. And we created our own enemy. Yeah. Because of greed. Like, let's talk about that. Well, it's just, you, you're allowed to be critical of something and, like, want it to be better. Like, that's yeah. all it is. Well, that's, that's what it means, I think, to, like, be a fan of something yeah. or love something, I yeah. think, is to... Like, have a comp- Because if you didn't yeah. like something, you would just completely write it off. That was my little passion argument for the yeah. day. Yeah. Um, Hold on. Oh, here's what I was going to say. Sorry. Okay. Um, people have been quick to be very critical of the women's suffrage movement, which, you know, please do. Like, everybody should be critical of everything in history because it's history and, like, we are supposed to be learning from it so that we can do better next time. However, just because Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton had some questionable views and clearly had some, like, racist attitudes and, and, and stuff like that, that does not mean that they didn't do great things for women's suffrage. And we probably would not have women's suffrage without them. Mm. So, and there were a lot of black women who also worked for suffrage towards towards suffrage and unfortunately they're not talked about quite as much this is all to say that all your heroes are human Mm -hmm. and nobody's perfect and they can still be um they can still have done something good for society in the end even if all of their views weren't great you know yeah so just keep that in mind i i it's interesting for me to see i don't know how to say this without sounding like i'm excusing certain behaviors but i think with all the black lives matter um things that have come up in the past month like i think there's been a lot more attention brought to, like, founding fathers and mm. how they were racist and how, like, for example, um, the one, Thomas Jefferson, I think it was Jefferson, who had, like, uh, black wives and black children, like, black children well, he, yeah. by his wife, yeah. black, black wives. And well, I don't think they were his wives. I thought they were his slaves. Well, that's the thing, is, like, I, so I visited Monticello, his home, with my parents in the spring before covid which i guess would have been the winter when did i visit monticello was it last year you know it was right before covid hit oh, okay because it was so right like january because they visited like the week before it happened so f- march mm-hmm. um and i like so his like estate that exists his historic whatever they like paint it as like oh he was this great wonderful renaissance man who had a black wife and, like, black children and never stated it openly, but, like, by what his actions did, like, he kind of wanted equality because, I mean, like, if he had a black wife, then he totally wanted, like, thought it was, like, black people were deserving of rights, like, that kind of thing. And then I think I said that to you during all the Black Lives Matter we were talking about Thomas Jefferson and you were saying like, well, how much like it was like he was a white man and she was a black woman. Like how much 
uh, say will, in the matter. Yeah. Free will did she really have in the matter? Anyways, that's the background of this. Where I was going with this story was it's interesting to see how um, all of these transgressions of historical figures are being brought to light and how people are kind of writing them off and any sort of a, any sort of thi- like positive thing about them people are saying like oh but, but they, they did were this, this. They yeah. did that. like i don't know i've been like look I've at it like a whole person well no i've been grappling with like what's the right answer for all of that because like to put a historical figure on your money and like on a pedestal like says something about the culture I don't know but yeah Thomas Jefferson did write the Declaration of Independence and he did a lot for the founding of America but he owned slaves yeah I'm just wondering how you because like you can't erase them from history no you just can't no like, and I don't think you should and I don't think that you should ignore the like the worst actions that anybody did I don't but I do think that you can't like be like oh but we're not going to talk about this person well, anymore. Well that's what I mean is like you, know? you can't not talk about yeah. them because like not even being like oh that can't be done. We can't just not talk. I'm saying like you you can't. Like yeah. what what like when you teach the declaration of independence it's you can't just say oh god wrote it. You have yeah, to Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. 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 Um all this to say, 1920... Wait, ni- he did write the Declaration of Independence. Something. Okay. I don't know what he I'm did. I'm going to Google that real quick. You just keep talking. 1920, 19th Amendment was passed. The right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. So that means, you know, everybody can vote. All right, and now we're going to bring up the Equal Rights Amendment. Mm-hmm. Because this is something that is so interesting that I just started learning about this year when we went to, what is that one museum we went to? Constitution? Is it Constitution? That's not the it. Archives? The Archives. The Archives. When we went to the Archives. National Archives and Records Administration. That one? That's when I first, like, really learned about it. And I was not aware of, like, the situation with the Equal Rights Amendment at all until then. So... Basically, the Equal Rights Amendment is a proposed amendment to the United States Constitution designed to guarantee equal legal rights for all American citizens, regardless of sex. It seeks to end the legal distinctions between men and women in matters of divorce, property, employment, and other matters. So the first version was actually written by Alice Paul and Crystal Eastman and introduced to Congress in December of 1923. It is still well, not passed. I know. I'm trying not to look at the screen because <laughs> I know the fun little game that we're about to play. Yeah. Um, so then it was reintroduced in 1971 by Martha Griffiths. Wait it, a minute. What? 1971? Yeah. Is when it was reintroduced. Well, oh. <laughs> yes. So in nineteen 19- wait, and from nine, it was introduced in nineteen seventy one, and it's still not ratified. I let in me certain states. Let me finish. I was like, I was like, oh, maybe if it was ratified, like in the forties or or even fifties, like I can see how states were like, mm, no, we don't need this, and then just kind of like forgot to do it. But like in seventies, so in nineteen seventy one, it was approved by the U.S. House of Representatives and by the Senate. So it went to the state legislator um, for, like, ratification. However, then this woman named Phyllis. Fuck you, Phyllis. I forget her last name. Started. Wait, are we fucking? Are we yeah, she's a bitch. Okay. Um, she started saying, <laughs> she started, like, this, I think she was, a sen- she was a senator or a congresswoman or something. Anyway, her whole thing was if we get this amendment passed, then people who are, like, stay-at-home moms and homemakers or whatever are they're gonna be negatively affected by this and then she was also oh, fucking who? and then she was also saying if this passes what's next women being in the draft like you know all that all these fear tactics you know women not being in the draft is the apology for us not getting to participate in anything else for the rest of history 
Yeah. Or for the for history. Except honestly, there hasn't been a draft in so long, like Yeah. Also, I think now if they tried to do a draft, like we would just be like no with the current political climate, I think that the mass ow, I just hurt my foot. The mass majority of people they draft would be like, uh we would all. I'm not fighting for you. I feel like we would all like just like start trying to get like random medical diagnoses. Like, oh, I, I broke my. I'd be like, yeah, knee put me in, coach. Cap. I'll just defect. Put me. Why don't you? Why don't you deploy me to Paris? Yeah, that'd be real nice. I'll go AWOL in Paris. I would just. Um, I would just be like, thanks for the free ride. Free I, plane ticket. <laughs> I would say, here's my medical history. Thank you. And oh, yeah, I would just have to go back on my ADHD meds. There we go. <laughs> I feel like too many people are depressed for us to be. Yeah, able, that yeah. too. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so she, you know, did all these fear tactics. It was not ratified in several states. And let's play my favorite game. Alice, why don't you, why don't you guess which states the Equal Rights Amendment has not been ratified in. Well, we started playing this game in the car yesterday, and I guessed, I think, Florida, Arkansas, Alabama, and mm, something with an M, um, I think Mississippi, mm-hmm. before that is correct. Before we stopped, and we were like, let's save this for the podcast. So Wait, I know what did you say? Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi, and Mississippi, Florida. Mississippi, Florida. Okay. Mississippi. Where's Florida? Florida. Okay. All right. So you have you have six more to go that are not ratified. Um. Missouri. Correct. Okay. Georgia. Correct. Um. Tennessee. Incorrect. Really? See. Okay. Here, I want to say Texas, because I think that Texas has a, such a reputation for being so Republican, but also at the same time, I feel like... It's such a big state. It's such a big state, and, like, Dallas and Austin, and, like, all the cities I've been told are, like, super cool and super liberal. It has been ratified in Texas. Okay. All right. So my gut, my gut was right about that one. Um, Five more to go. I'll give you a hint. Um, Did I say Georgia? Georgia's been ratified. Or no. has not been ratified. Um, I'll give you Wait, a no, hint. Wait, no, I don't want any hint. I'm not, I'm not, I still have some fight left in me. Um, Kentucky. Incorrect. Really? Yes. Okay, there's a piece of me that wants to say Oklahoma, but Correct. I think... Oh, really? Yes. I thought Oklahoma would be incorrect. Um, I'm trying to, like, think of all the southern states. Think Anthony... Arizona? Correct. Really? Yeah. Arizona crossed my mind, but I was like, nah. Um, how many do I have left? Three. And you're never, you're never gonna get one of them. Actually. Is it, is it California? No. I was gonna say North and South Carolina. South Carolina. Okay. Again, like rounding out that whole. Two more. South Dakota. No. Does South Dakota even exist? Yes. Have you ever been, though? Do you know? Badlands. Or is that North Dakota? South Dakota. South Dakota. But, like, do you know? No. <laughs> Have you been there? No. Two more. Um, Here's a hint. I'm thinking of... Wait. I was going to say I'm Mon- thinking of the wrong place. Never mind. I was going to say Montana. I'm now no. trying to think of that, like, North Midwest think, that no think, one Think, 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 think Mormon. Utah? Correct. That makes sense. One more. I don't know how to give you a hint for this one. Is it the one that you thought I would never guess? Yes. Because it's a state I often forget about. <laughs> I was going to say Pennsylvania, but... No, I think but, about that Yeah, a lot. I was going to say, you think about Pennsylvania frequently. I really do. That you often forget about. I think my favorite state, Wyoming. No, I love Wyoming. <laughs> Continues to Wyoming. <laughs> I just like Wyoming because it's the most forgettable state. I love Wyoming. The I've Ant- never met someone from Wyoming. Who's from Wyoming? Um, okay. Think purchase. Oh, Louisiana? Yes. Not ratified there. Oh, wait, either. I totally, wait, I totally would have guessed that, but I forgot it was like a part of the South. Yes. Damn it. So anyway, 
Um, it's ratified in some states and not others, so I just find that interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm getting. I'm giving myself a Parmesan crisp as reward. Because also, if you go to like, I think it's equalrightsamendment.org. There's a map where you can like click around. Let me make sure I got all the right states. Actually, I promise. Oh, North Carolina is not ratified. I did not include that on my list. Um, Awkward. That's what I was double checking. I was even more right than I thought I was. Yeah. But it feels very wrong about a number of things. Mississippi not ratified. Missouri not ratified. Okay. Anyway. So if you go to equalrightsamendment.org, there's a map that you can click around to make sure that your state has been ratified. And then at the, like, if you go to your state, um, then there's a like a link you can click to email your representatives. Wait, what does ratifying it do though? In a thing in your state, it makes it part of the law in your state. Oh, so if they don't ratify it, it's not. They don't have to abide by it. Oh. Okay. Interesting. Now, we shall move on to Title Nine. Wait, then what's the point of the Constitution? Well, so it's like thirty-eight state. Or there's like a certain number of states that have to ratify an amendment in order for it to be added to the constitution right but if they don't reach that then individual states can be like we're gonna add it anyway so has it not reached that threshold it's not federal interesting okay title nine my personal favorite because my mom brought it up like every single night at dinner (laughs) growing up Um, It is part of the Education Amendments Act of 1972, a law that states, no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance, which means... Sports. Yeah, but only if it receives federal financial assistance. Oh. So private schools don't have to. Oh. Well, I went to an all-girls private school, so. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, now I see what you mean. Yeah. Wait, because it's not just sports. It's like. Um, well, it's also like girls have to be allowed to go to school. <laughs> well, does it also. Um, oh, wait. So there can't be like a public all-boys high school. There can be if there's a public all-girls high school. Interesting. Um, but does that also include like disability stuff? So it includes not just athletics, but also course offerings, counseling, counseling assistance or materials, financial assistance, student health, insurance, housing, marital and parental status of students, physical education, athletics, education programs, activities, and employment. So covers everything however i was gonna say because my school so but it doesn't cover it just covers on the basis of sex it doesn't cover on the basis of disability correct okay um but also until now there have been no binding federal regulations related to sexual harassment under title nine there's only been administrative guidance um so basically this is pretty recent like, within the past few months that they're trying to narrow the definition of sexual assault under Title IX, and they are kind of limiting the obligation to investigate complaints. That's a beast of a task. It is, yeah, it's a lot. They're changing the standard for school's liability. There's a grievance procedure that will alter the way schools process and respond to complaints. Basically, hearings are optional written questions for K-12 schools, Schools can choose whatever standard of evidence they want to use. Oh. And schools must offer both parties an appeal from a determination regarding responsibility. Mm. Bullshit. Here's why I I tied Title IX in. Because, A, it's obviously very important that we give people of every gender and sex opportunities, like, 
uh, especially in an educational st- setting because education is very important and sets the tone for like your career and like so many other things. But the other thing is, in my opinion, you cannot talk about like women's rights without also talking about women's safety insofar as you can't have like oh uh you uh you can't say that you are like pro women or you're a feminist if you're not like working to protect women from sexual assault if you're not aware of sexual harassment like all that stuff mm. you are not doing your job as a school if you're not holding uh rapists and whatever to a higher standard than they're required to yeah. based on this federal law so thank you betsy devos i i also think it's it's i just think that schools should be taken out of the equation and i think it, i agree like because <laughs> the fact that like schools have the ability to like cover it all up and yeah, to cover it all up and keep it from the justice system and, like, it gets handled internally. Like, that's crazy to me. It's BS. But then also, like... But also, what do the police things, do? Yeah, what do the police do? And things get handled internally. Excuse me. <laughs> Jesus, I keep burping. Um, the fact that things get handled internally on a college campus is good because, uh, like, underage drinking. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah, but... I mean, that's a whole other can of worms, but... Yeah, it's just crazy to me that they're allowed to, like, handle it internally. I don't like it. And it's 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 also crazy to me that they, uh, like, I feel like our school had a lot of different resources. Not a lot, but I mean, like, they gave their own resources of, like, how to report. And, like, why isn't, why isn't the first line of reporting to the police? Yeah. Like, why are you putting in all these, like, nets between the victim and the authorities? Like... Yeah. Because it's designed... Like, schools operate as, like, little countries, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Why why is the school being given so much freedom... Also, why is the school even a conversation? Like, like, people talk about, like, school liability and, like... Yeah. School, like, but they become a liability because they're able to basically try to carry out the job of the justice system as a school, which is ridiculous. But that's why they're liable because, you know, they're trying to carry out this thing that they shouldn't be doing in the first place. And then the other issue mm. is that... Well, something that this is kind of off topic, but I something that um I recently learned that I think is just absolutely nuts is police. This is kind of off topic, but I mean, when are we on topic, honestly? Police aren't trained to deal with live victims. Police are only trained to question suspects. So when a rape victim comes in and the police are asking for their story, rape victims will often, oftentimes not be able to recall things in, um, what's it called? Um, I was going to say lateral, but in uh, consecutive. consecutive detail. And so like... When, oh, uh, chronological. Chronological detail. Consecutive, same thing. Yeah. So when they start like ha- like going back and being like, oh, wait, I forgot about this. Or like, oh, actually, it didn't happen like that. It happened like this. I forgot. I just remember. Like, the police are trained to interpret inconsistencies as lying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas, like, that's just not... How trauma works or your memory. <laughs> that's not how trauma or your memory works. So already like they're just not they're just simply not trained to handle that which i think that's a huge systematic failure well and also the whole systematic thing of like guilty and wait innocent until proven guilty makes it in favor of the rapist or the assaulter or the attacker a lot of times yeah but also let's not go around messing with innocent until proven guilty i'm not saying that i'm saying that when you the way that they frame it 
for that. It's always looking for a hole in the victim story. So it's like it makes the victim feel like they are the one under attack. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like they're trained to. Yeah. Whereas they should be talking to the rapist and looking for inconsistencies in the rapist's story. Well, and also the whole thing of colleges, it's in their best interest to not make it look like they have a large amount of violence on their campus. So they're not going to, like, log that or whatever. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about the police. Like, when it does get logged. And outside of the realm of college, just in the broader world. But... But yes, going back to college is it is in their best interest. And this is all to say, <laughs> way off topic of we suffrage. have a lot further to go, um, and we've come far, but it has not, and is still not perfect. It has not been, and is still not without its issues. Um, so when people say things about, like, the Me Too movement, Women's March, all those things. When people say, oh, but women got the right to vote, you can hit them back with, yeah, but the Equal Rights Amendment hasn't been ratified yeah. in all 50 states. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot more to equality than just voting, um... And so I just want everybody to be armed with, like, hey, but also we have more things that need to be done, and uh, the wage gap still exists and is real. Thank you very much. And so I'm going to keep... It's real, thank you. What? What? The wage gap is real. Oh, I thought you said an Israel. thank you very much. And I was no. like, where did we start talking about Israel? That's why we keep our boots on, because there's more to aspire to. (laughs) I really hope that that snore was picked up. I am sure a lot of his snores have been in this podcast, and that's okay with me, because they're so cute. Well, we hope you enjoyed puppy snores and feminism, puppy snores and feminism. And until next time, we will do this again. Wait, whoa. Oh. Whose outro was I just about to do? I don't know. I was going to say until next time, take it easy. Who the fuck do I think I, whose podcast is that? I don't know. That doesn't even until sound familiar to me. As always. That's Sam Ravindahl. Until next time, take it easy. Or... And as always, I don't know. That's not our outro. Um, We'll do this again. We'll do this again.